This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Gordon Damer. Larry Hardesty, how are we feeling, my friend? Okay. <laughs> Why so glum? Not a good weekend? It's a beautiful weekend a, weather-wise. I have a little chilly yesterday. I have a $300-plus million shortstop who struck out eight times this weekend. That's is that a lot? It seems like a lot. It does. Mm. It was. They scored. Uh, they 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 didn't score with runners in scoring position. They had no hits with runners in scoring position all weekend. None. None. Otherwise, everything was great. Yeah. The concerns about the offense popped up again. Well, they never left. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it seemed like they might be turning things around a little bit. Yeah, they win some games. No. They get over 500. Uh, they're not fooling they... Larry. No. They're not fooling Larry. Well, Larry's a tough judge. Larry's been around the block. This is not Larry's first rodeo. No. Larry's got a bunch of rodeos. <laughs> Larry's older than the rodeo. Larry saw the first rodeo. This is not his first rodeo. I was there. Yep. I was there for rodeo number one. Yep. I was there. And... um it's really it's 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 frustrating, Gordon. It's really what it is because they're playing like a team, and I know I complained for three hours yesterday, so the audience is like, "Here, Larry goes again." But they're playing like a team. That's what their record is. They're five hundred team. They play when they get good hits, they get no pitching. When they get decent pitching, they get no hits. So you know it's. Until they put a string of wins together, and and look, it's it's not that it's late; it's a little early, Gordon. It's a little early, but uh, it's going to get late quick because they have a series with Atlanta over the next three days, starting tomorrow night. And while you've got Carrasco and Scherzer and Verlander ready to go, and Carrasco's pitched well his past couple of outings, do you have confidence that they're going to score enough runs? I don't. How I could don't. you? I don't. You know. So uh, that's that's the life of a Met fan right now. Yeah, I, I can understand the frustration. I, I do think that it is. Um, I, I think the level of panic is, is reaching uh, a little overboard. Uh, I'm not saying you, but I've heard other ones, other people say that uh, you know the Mets are. They're not a very good team, and, and, and they have not played well. I, I grant you that. 30 and 30 through 60 games, when I think they were 25 and 25 after 50 games, mm-hmm. is, a, is a bit concerning. But we have seen in years past, the Braves certainly have done this. The, the Nationals, the year they won the, the World Series, they kind of floated around 500 for a very long time. There is time to fix this. It just seems like there's a lot of things to fix with the Mets. It's not just one thing that's popping up. And it seemed like, in terms of the offense, the path forward was pretty clear. It was, hey, we got the young kids, we're going to play the young kids, and uh, they're going to give us an energy that youth brings. It'll put some guys back in, in familiar positions that they belong in more, the the Vogelbacks, the Fams, maybe Canna, um, and, and we'll get to see some of the youth kind of carry the offense a little bit and give us a little bit of a spark. And and I think that was there initially, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like that the Mets are as an organization are fully on board with playing the kids all the time. You know, it doesn't seem like Brett Beatty is, 
is playing every single day? Does it feel like Vientos is getting a, a real, real shot at things? Uh, Alvarez has been good, but has overcome that that slow start. But it just feels like the Mets maybe are not fully on board with the youth movement because they are a veteran team. Um, but it does seem like they have a lot of things to kind of fix right now. They do, and. Even the bullpen's a little shaky right now. Yeah, it's never been a strength. No, it's never no. been a strength, but it's been okay. Yeah, I mean Robertson's yeah. been tremendous. Mm-hmm. He's been great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Robertson's been tremendous. Now he mm-hmm. had one bad. You know, look, you're, good, you're not going to be perfect. No, but he had one bad outing against. Uh, you know the. Um, oh my God, it's, it's so bad. It's, it's, I'm running out of people here against Toronto over the weekend. Mm-hmm. But but for the most part, he's been he's been great. He's been great, but it's really been. But Gordon, the biggest part has been the issue of having the the starters not go six innings. And Singer did it again yesterday, and this is a concern, Gordon, because remember, uh, he's always pitched well at City Field, and now they try him on five days rest for the first time, and he couldn't get out of the third inning. Couldn't get out of the third inning. Threw too many pitches. Yeah, so they've got some issues. No and then there's the Yankees, yeah, who've got, who, who've got a who's got a, a a tremendous guy breaking walls in in a, in, a, yep. in an old stadium, and I hope his foot is I hope his toe is okay though, Gordon. That that's kind of concerning. Absolutely, uh, they they are dependent upon Aaron Judge to basically go out there and and be the MVP every single day. Uh, that that lineup, which look they're winning with it, so it's kind of hard to to go too crazy about. This guy or that guy, I know Yankee fans, myself included, complain a lot about how, I mean, how are they expected to score runs with this as being the lineup? They're getting it done, mm-hmm. but it does it does rely on Aaron Judge to, to be Aaron Judge and not just be in the lineup, but to, to be the, the most dangerous hitter in baseball. Now, they got to win yesterday with him out. Hopefully, that's just going to be a, a one-day kind of thing. It's concerning because the Yankees – and I guess rightfully so, with the importance the judge has in that lineup, they're going to play it safe. They, they've built up a little bit of a cushion here. So if he needs extra time, if he needs another stint on the IL, so be it. But, uh, yeah, they, they are – I mean, you take a look at the lineup yesterday. And, again, they won, mm-hmm. but it's not going to exactly – nobody's going to com- be confused with that lineup in Murderer's Row. No. <laughs> no, they're not. But you're winning games. Absolutely. You take it while you can get it. And that's Absolutely. the bottom line. You, you, yeah. you, 11 listen. games over 500, a winning trip to Seattle, a winning trip to L.A., uh, you, you can't beat it. It's about taking series, my friends, and you did. You did. Mm-hmm. You got a series. Now, you know, you got Nesta Cortez on the I.L. You're a little concerned about that, obviously, because of the depth of your starters. And both of us are waiting to see – you know, waiting to see these off-season acquisitions as as starters. Neither one of us has seen our guy yet. <laughs> it's unbelievable, yeah, right? Yeah, no, of course, right. And, and Rodon doesn't seem like it's going to be happening with the amount of time that he has missed. That is the level of uh, of caution I'm sure the Yankees are going to take before he does eventually, and hopefully, eventually shows up. Yeah, and you know, at least Quintana's got a rehab assignment. Yeah, at least. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean I don't know when he's coming. I mean, no. you know, he he could have a rehab assignment and go backwards. You know, oh, you, you just don't know, uh, right? Just, yeah, of course. Now, I think the last thing I saw with Rodon was he was going to face hitters or something like that this week at some point, either 
maybe tomorrow, maybe Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That's a long way away from being <laughs> on a major league mound. It is at least at least another month, mm-hmm. easily, easily yeah. another month, another month. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. All right, here's the important things, Gordon. The important things that I want to find out. How was your daughter's play? And how was your son's javelin exhibition? This well, my daughter's play was fantastic. She was sensational. Uh, she did, it will not allow us to post anything to social media, so it just wow. has to be an in-family thing. She's, she rules with an iron fist. <laughs> so wow. uh, that we have been uh, given the kibosh. Maybe in time things will be allowed to uh, be released online, but uh, not so far. But she was amazing. She's so incredible. She's so, so natural and mm-hmm. um she was such a beautiful. It was a musical. She was. She had her own song. She was. Oh, really? she's right in the spotlight, and she's not oh. somebody generally who most people would think is that kind of kid that wants the spotlight. She's very quiet at times, but uh, mm-hmm. she was sensational. My son was fantastic on Saturday. He set a new personal record. Wow! With his uh, javelin throw. Now he's a freshman competing. I mean, Larry. He the person who threw before him. I uh, my hand to God. Had a beard and tattoos. <laughs> I swear to God, the guy had a had a full beard. I thought he was a coach at first, but uh, Jack did great. Uh, I think out of all the freshmen that threw in his section, he was fourth or something along those lines. Um, I think there were like ninety kids, and he finished in the thirties or something like that. So, as a freshman, that it, a great end to a fantastic season for him. So, well, that's good. That's thank good. you for asking. Is is this something you think he'll continue on? Is he, is he you know kind of liking it? Is or is this he a has he has always had a thing about throwing sticks. Hmm. We used to have like garden sticks that he would uh, have in the we had in the shed, and and back when he was like five or six, he would throw them, and he had a technique to throw. They weren't meant for throwing, but he had a way of throwing them through the air. He always had a a, a knack for it. So we're hoping that this is uh, the start of something. I don't know what you know. I don't. I'm not thinking Olympics or anything like that. A scholarship certainly would be nice somewhere mm-hmm. down the mm-hmm. road, but uh, he's just a freshman, so we got time. That's great. So yeah. it was a good weekend at the Damer House. At fantastic weekend. Could not have asked for anything better. Excellent. And, you, and, Yankees and the Yankees take two won. Or three? Right, yeah. That's, oh, that man. helps too. That helps Daddy's mood. Wow. Any shekels? No, no shekels. I don't I don't like to bet on the Yankees because mm-hmm. then if they lose, then I'm double miserable. <laughs> I got that. When we return, we'll get your thoughts on the weekend uh, for the Mets and Yankees. Also coming up, uh, Yankees have the White Sox. And I don't know if that's good or bad for Gordon because I think, you know, when you have a team that you're supposed to beat and you don't beat them, it's kind of frustrating. So we'll get his thoughts about that. As I mentioned, Mets have Atlanta. That's always an adventure. And Gordon, uh, we've got an interesting NBA series going on now with Miami and Denver. We'll touch on that next on 98.7 ESPN. I do believe that the steroids did help. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I saw a very interesting NBA game yesterday with Miami and Denver. And uh, you know what? This is why I I mentioned that you probably you figure Miami could win. At least I still think Denver's winning the series. But that's why you have that feeling that Miami could win a game maybe two if they're lucky. Uh, they just fight, Gordon. They have a lot of fight. They have a lot of of, of uh, moxie in them. They play well. And the one thing about them that's, that's intriguing, 
when they shoot threes, and I was surprising surprised that they outshot Denver at home, and they've done it in both games. That they've outshot Denver from three points. I just uh, if they can do that, they're going to make this a longer series than a lot of people may think. At what point do we stop doubting the Heat? Like, like the when when Denver wins Game One the way they did, it felt like. And I, I'm, I'm not throw, I'm not taking myself out of it. I'm throwing myself in the the doubting Miami crowd. Mm-hmm. Wow, they, they, Denver's just too talented. Jokic is just too much of a problem. They have too much speed. They're too deep. And then they go out, and Miami, you know, gets back to to shooting well. Denver's defense was not very good in Game Two. The 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 Heat have a lead, lose the lead, find themselves. What were they down eight going into the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Where you would ordinarily think, well, Denver doesn't lose at home. Miami's down by eight, and yet Miami goes out there and does what it needs to do, does what it needs to do. Is able to find a way to get a win and even up the series. And it does feel like that this is a series now. It does, and to think, Denver still had the chance to win that game last night. They did. You'd like to think that they're going to – if Miami cleaned up what they needed to clean up after game one, you figure Denver is going to do the same after game two. And I'm with you. I still think Denver wins the series. Mm-hmm. But it does feel if, – if Denver had won that game last night, it would feel like, okay, this is this – is, if it's five, if it's four, if it's six, it, it's essentially over. If Denver's mm-hmm. getting the first two at home, yep. you know, Miami's not going to win um, four out of the next five. But right. the fact that Miami, I mean, they're so comfortable, even when they're down in series. Mm-hmm. Um, when they are, here's how's this first step? When facing deficits of 12 or more, Larry, in these playoffs this year, the Heat are seven and six. The rest of the NBA combined is six and 59. <laughs> so the rest of the NBA has 66 tries at it, they have six wins. Miami has 13 tries at it, and they have seven. It's unbelievable. It is. And it speaks to their team attitude and how they trust each other. And no matter who comes off the bench, they trust each other to make something happen and to to change whatever's going on. If it's tempo, if it's injecting energy, whatever it is, they do a great job with the people they have of trusting them, and no, everybody knows their role, Gordon. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And and Spolstra continues to, you know, do a great job in, in making adjustments. S- you know, starting Kevin Love with adding more height, you know, making Aaron Gordon have to move away from the basket as opposed to, you know, doubling down and ending up <laughs> defending, ended up scoring over Gabe Vincent like he did in game one. Mm-hmm. He just made a lot of – he made a lot of adjustments and everything worked, which is the interesting thing because coaches make adjustments all the time. They're not guaranteed to work, Gordon. Spolters no. does. Right. Spolters yeah. does. And they allow, that allowed Butler to go on Murray, and, and they definitely attacked Murray more in that game, and he had uh, a bit of a, of a tough uh, night overall. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, look – I don't think that the Nuggets thought it was going to be easy, and if they did have any illusion, I mean, the players had any illusions that it was going to be easy. No, they they got uh, a rude awakening, so they they need to clean some stuff up, especially on the defensive side. They're never going to be a great defensive team, but they right. have to be better than they were uh, last night in Game Two. Well, they got to be a better shooting team too, Gordon. Yeah, that's true. And they turned the ball over a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I, this is where I was a little surprised because Denver shoots so well. They struggle against this Miami zone too. 
Miami puts the zone up, and it's like Syracuse and Bayheim. <laughs> nobody can get, nobody can score. It's amazing what they do with the zone. And then you see Murray get zoom, boom, 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 gets right to the middle, get to the paint, scores. You're like, well, where's that been all night? How come he yeah. hasn't been able to do that? Like, he wasn't able to do that early. No, but like that's how they got back in the game late in mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. He was able to just penetrate the zone to the point that they got out of the zone. They went one on one. So it's it's an intriguing series. It's a, at least as an NBA fan who has no kick in the can, mm-hmm. stretch it out. I want basketball as long as I can get it. I need to, I, I, you know, especially where the Mets are playing. It's a nice diversion. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that I'm rooting for anybody, but I'm definitely rooting against one particular team, and I think that that's uh, probably the way that most Nick fans feel. Oh, but, there's uh, no question you, you, about you're, it. You're, you're not necessarily rooting for the Nuggets, but by default, you're kind of rooting for the Nuggets. I can't stand. I can't watch that guy. And you know who I'm talking uh, about. Yeah, it's not Spolstra. It's not no, Jimmy Butler. No, it's not uh, Max no, Strauss. It's no. not uh, Gabe Vincent. No, it's, it's not even Alonzo Mourning. And, and and you know, and, uh, well, that one doesn't feel good either. But no, no, it doesn't. But it's not even him. There's a there's a clear number one. Yes, absolutely. I can't and, and, have him lifting you his know, hand up. Yeah, you know for oh. a fact that if whatever say it's Game Six, the Heat win the series. One of the first shots when the game is over is going to be of that guy. That guy smiling. Mm-hmm. With the same slick back hair. Yeah. He's still got a lot of it. Good he for does. him. Well, listen, you know, he's got heat culture. They're not losing. He's not pulling his hair out. No. <laughs> he's, he's got rings. Yeah. He's got championships. True. Right. He's good. There's a reason why yeah. Nick fans have the, 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 you know, Tom Thibodeau has uh, the hair pulled out, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Yeah. 1-800-919-3776. Spikes in St. Pete. Spikes, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Oh, pleasure to get full shows with you guys. Well, this, this is pretty simple. This thing swings, uh, you know, like at the Folly Floater, if you guys remember what that was. Uh, Spolster in the fourth quarter is 60-some-odd percent. They shot 69% yesterday in the fourth quarter. Case closed. KCP took two ridiculous fouls, yes. uh, fouling three-point shooters. He's been a non-entity. And you're right, Larry, and Gordon, or Gordon, I forgot who said it. But uh, the uh, forwards, uh, they're not really put the ball on the deck, guys. You know, um, they they really faded yesterday. And it's interesting. You mentioned Highsmith, Larry, on Sunday. Uh, or before, oh, it was Sunday or whatever. Sunday, I talked yeah. to you, five, five mm-hmm. uh, And uh, he did nothing yesterday. But the other guy did something. And the yep. guy that had the put back and uh, made the shot, I forget the names now. It doesn't matter. Caleb Smith, maybe. He uh, he, come, he plays good. Then the next mm-hmm. night, the next guy plays good. We talked, uh, you were off Saturday, told you you got to play love. He's very slow on defense, but he got 10 rebounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look. This guy is a superior coach. My pecking order now, I got the two Reds, I got Pop, I got Jackson, I have Riley, I have Chuck Daly, and I'm hard-pressed to come in between. If I'm missing someone, shout it out. But uh, uh, this kid's right there. He's not a kid anymore. He's aged also like a president. But they have a great system. They're tenacious. And isn't it interesting, when Jokic came out and when Butler came out, both teams made runs. Mm-hmm. It just was fascinating to me. It's a chess game, and my want is to break down the fourth quarters with my buddy who went to City College. It's old already. I don't, you know, got to repeat it for those who tune in here and there. But I'll tell you guys, uh, it's intriguing to see what they're going to do. And he wins the fourth quarters going away. I mean, the thirteen to two run. What was it? Every time he calls a timeout, they go on a run. I think mm-hmm. Mike Malone got out coached a little bit. 
And uh, I don't know what they can adjust, but I could take nothing away from Jokic. First of all, guys, they didn't call. They were fouling Jokic pretty good at yeah. home, and he didn't get it, right. He he yeah. he could have been had another six or eight points. But Miami earned that victory. They he, did. They earned it. They, they just did. they just outscored them, and they, I don't know what they did in the fourth quarter. I know they shot sixty nine percent, but they made half their threes. And uh, Miami is not a – first of all, Miami likes to slow the tempo down, which keeps the score down. But they got great looks, and they did in the first game. I went back and watched all of that. They just didn't make them. So I think it's a, a long series. I'm, I'm with you too, Gordon and Larry. I don't like watching the guy from Schenectady who's once been in 26 finals. But I give the team a lot of credit. They're interchangeable parts. And one last thing, and thanks for the time. It's a pleasure. Kyle Lowry is, you put him on the court and he brings championship timber on. And I'll argue that with anybody. He just knows exactly what to do. He can, he can give you 20, 25 minutes a night. So I think we got a six or seven game series. I agree with you, Spike. Thanks for the phone call. And what Lowry does is Gordon, he does the little things that just drive you crazy. Steps in front, gets your, your mm-hmm. offensive fouls. Uh, you know, sneaks in when you're trying to box him out, sneaks in front of you. You think he got him boxed out. He sneaks in front of you and you turn around and he's got the ball tipping it to somebody else. He's, it's just, it's, it's, he, he does little winning plays. That's what he does. And, uh, you know, and he's got that, you know, the experience of a champion, him and Kevin Love. And that's what they bring to, to that team. Yep. And it's amazing. The, the Heat are able to take whatever they got. It's almost like, uh, what was it, MacGyver, right? Like yeah. MacGyver could get out of any trouble based on whatever tools he had at his disposal. That's the that's the Miami Heat. They're able to get out of trouble with whatever they have at their disposal. They'll get the most out of that uh, every time, it feels like. More of your calls are next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, Joe and I were just talking about this uh, story that has allegations of a Indianapolis Colts player betting on his own team. ruh That's so, a problem. You know, you know, there's no question about it. Now, listen, it's, um, you know, you know the internet, <laughs> especially now. There's a lot of things. I mean, I had, I, I was reading an article earlier that they were talking about Obi Toppin being traded. Obi Toppin, T A U P I N. So I'm thinking that's a different guy. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the different. That's like Adorn Schefter, right? When you, you see an Adorn Schefter tweet, right? You have exactly. to look twice to make sure it's the real deal. Is exactly. So th- that's where we are. But that I'm not surprised, Gordon, to be honest, because there's been a number of players who, who are betting on, on games anyway. Well, look, and people will point out this is the problem with yes. having g- gambling and this is the problem. Well, gambling has always existed. Yep. The only difference now is it's, it's, it's kind of out in the open. And this player, I don't know who the player is. I know that there's been some reports that um, of the player's name, but um, I don't know if that's been confirmed or, yet or not. Mm-hmm. But, Back in the day, he would have been able to go to a bookie, and and yeah. and and it would not have been out in the light of day. So, right. um, if we've seen the the suspensions before of of um, some of the Lions players and uh, 
and uh, I'm blanking on the wide receiver that uh, got the the one. Yeah, so am I. I know you're um, trying to think but, of him. He's with Jacksonville now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that was what you got for, for just simply Ridley. placing a bet. Ridley, yeah, Calvin Ridley. This guy has probably just if – they, if they made an example out of Calvin Ridley, what are they going to do with this guy? This guy yeah. is going to be banned from the league for life. Has to be. Yeah. Has to be because, once again, I don't care what you say about any sport. Uh, if you can't trust that what's going on is legitimate, it ruins your sport. Sport has mm-hmm. no credibility. None. Yep. None. So that's, and and you if can't. you if you want to cut the head off the snake, so to speak, mm-hmm. you, you got to come. You got to drop the hammer on whoever this is. You definitely do, because you know if 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 you want to continue to print money like you do in the National mm-hmm. Football League, you can't have any integrity issues about your sport. Can't do right. it. Uh, uh, because you're you're already gonna have enough, <laughs> right? Even without these stories, people are gonna say, "Ah, oh, the games are rigged. Everything is rigged. It's all rigged anyway." So it doesn't help when you have uh, a, a player allegedly placing bets on his own team. No question. But now about all you it. need is for him to be betting against his team. Yeah. <laughs> Look, looking at the game plan. You know what? I think I, I think yeah, I'm we're going screwed. With the opposition. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 in trouble here. Our head coach is sitting on the sidelines drawing on a whiteboard while the plays are going on in the game. <laughs> exactly. Oh, unbelievable. Lee's in Brooklyn. What's up, Lee? Hey, what's up, Gordon? Hey, Larry. Larry, you were right. You were right. You, you, you got that. You got that one. Uh, you picked that they would get that that sleeper game, and mm-hmm. then they would get one more. Maybe, yeah. But yeah. I believe it was, huh? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I Five, believe it's Denver. Huh? Yeah, go ahead. I, I believe it's Denver and uh, five now. Uh, they're worn out. Uh, I don't know how they won that game last night, but um, you definitely uh, called it, Larry. So, Lee, you don't think there's a uh, – well, he's left us. Thanks for the phone call. I mean, Gordon, after you looked at Miami last night, don't you think they could win another game <laughs> in this series? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Now, that I don't, that was again, the hardest – yeah, that was the hardest game to get because uh, excuse me, Denver had not lost on their home court in like more than a month. Mm-hmm. That's right. So to be able to get that win to even up the series, because again, if you had, if Denver had won that game last night, it would feel like, and rightfully so, halfway home to to winning the series, holding home court, having not lost on home court the entire postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it would feel like, okay, it's it's Denver's going to win. It's just a question of how many games it's going to take. Now, all of a sudden, it's a series. And I think we need to we need to put a clarify. We need to clarify what gentleman sweep means, right? Because to me, gentleman sweep has always meant you win in five games, and the game that you lost was not. Re- it didn't really make you feel any different about the series. Mm-hmm. That's not what happened last no. night. If Denver nope. goes on and wins in five, this will still not be a gentleman's sweep no. in my mm-hmm. eyes. No, it won't. Won't be. Won't be. No. No, they they will have earned it. Yeah. <laughs> they will have earned it. And, you know, I'm very curious to see now what Michael Malone does to, to counteract what Spolstra did in game two. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see what he does. Very curious. So we'll, we'll, it's going to be interesting. 
Mm-hmm. It really is. I can't wait. I can't You're gonna wait. have to find a way to shut down that three point that, that three point shot. You yep. can't be allowing the, the other team to be shooting fifty percent from basically no. from three point land. Not at all. Not at all. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Gordon and Larry. How are you guys doing? Jose. Oh, just wanted to talk, um, um, definitely talk about the NBA, but definitely uh, wanted to throw out, you know, we're definitely not getting those calls, you know, to sit Volpe now since he hit the home run, right? Nope. <laughs> so, uh, we, 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 uh, I, even though his batting average is still at like around 190-something, it's still he's still got a ways to go, and hopefully we can, you know, still develop, you know, some patience because um, Graza definitely did bring up a nice Bernie Williams story the last Last time I spoke with him, so um, just wanted to uh, definitely get um, some finals talk in. I was hearing some some talk from Spike and Lee um, just now, and you know, shout out to them. They're very um, pre- pretty much been listening to them for years, mm-hmm. and I I I don't know like what to because I did, can't say I'm shocked with how Game Two went down. I'm just not gonna be. I would be shocked if Denver pulls up three more games like this. That would totally be a shock because um, I do think that this is going to come down to coaching. And if you heard Mike Malone's press conference, he's definitely not in the mood to deal with the narrative of being outcoached by Spolstra. So it's going to be interesting to see because I really did think that there was a lot of confusion and they kind of unra- they kind of unraveled in that fourth quarter. In that fourth quarter, and I just think that the only difference was was Denver build up a huge lead in the first game where they didn't build up that huge lead in the second game due to them not hitting shots. I think if Denver hits their shots, I I, I still think it could be a gentleman's sweep in, in, in that sense of a word because if all of them end up like game one, then it's going to feel like the same narrative because I still remember when the Knicks won that meaningless you know game two in, in, in Atlanta where it still didn't feel the same. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Jose. Thanks for the phone call. <clears throat> Excuse me. Gordon, Michael Malone said something last night that made me think, how could that possibly be that that could happen in that in this situation? And he didn't say it once. He said it twice. I'll share that with you next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You know, and you guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. And tonight, you know, that the starting line- lineup to start the game is 10-2 to 2 Miami. Start the third quarter, they scored 11 points in two minutes and 10 seconds. You know, we had guys out there that were just, whether feeling sorry for themselves or not making shots, or thinking they can just turn it on or off. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. It's not round. This is the NBA Finals. And that, to me, is really, really perplexing, disappointing. Michael Malone, Gordon Damer, and he's a 1,000% right. And, and here's the thing. And we get to the calls in a second. Gordon, I hate to tell you, that, goal, that falls on him. He's got to have them ready. Yeah. I mean, Especially all since talk. he's saying that it was an issue in the first game, too. Kinda. Absolutely. And all this talk, oh, we know how they are. We don't... When there's no favorites in the finals, blah 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 blah. Well, you guys played like it. You guys came out. And Gordon, if I know they've done homework, they watched every game. They were off nine days. Yeah. What does Miami do when they're down? 
they get physical. They out physical them. You knew that's what they were going to do. That's what they do. What, what do they always talk about? What's Pat Riley's line? Force, force, force. Like they say, always. That's what he does. So you knew they were going to be more physical to try to stop what they wanted to do, what Denver was trying to do with their cuts and movement. That's what you knew Miami was going to do. And they were not prepared. And that's inexcusable. And that's on the coaching staff as well as the players. Yeah, no question. Um, and you would figure after having the nine days off, if there was going to be a team that had more energy, it would be Denver. Yeah. And that was not the case last night. So, no. look, it's a, it, it, it's a series of adjustments. The, the Heat clearly made the adjustments after game one. Now Denver's got to go back. Mike Malone's got to go. Because if he's talking about the same things after game three, well, oh. then, they're, then they're really in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Lamar Murray, uh, uh, he's, he's got to be better. Gordon, he's the number two guy. Jamal there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep, no question. He, I mean, uh, you take a look at his overall numbers for the night, and they don't look that bad. You know, mm-hmm. 7 of 15, 18 points, 10 assists, but he was not nearly the factor in game two that he was in game one. No, not at all. Not at all. And it cost him. Mm-hmm. It cost him. And neither was Porter and neither was Gordon. Porter was invisible. Yeah, um, he really was invisible, and and Gordon didn't have much of a of an impact either. So, and and, and as I think it was Spike that said, uh, Caldwell Pope taking some terrible fouls. He did uh, <laughs> near the end of the game. So yeah, they got a lot of cleanup. They do, they do, and it's on the defensive end. Most of it is on the defensive end. I mean, they left, pe- they switched, they left people open. I mean, I. And it seemed like real well. basic. Yes. It seemed like real basic things. Yep. Uh, they couldn't figure out the switches, uh, whether or not to switch or not. Uh, they left guys wide open from three. If they didn't leave the guy wide open from three, the guy cutting to the basket was wide open. So, again, Denver is, is not exactly uh, the bad boy Pistons in terms of defense, but, no, they got a lot of things to clean up. Let's head back to the phones. Jack is in Manhattan. What's up, Jack? Hey. Jack? Jack? Hello. There yeah, he is. we got you. Uh, sorry. Um, you take a football question about the Jets observation. All right, go ahead. So um, I was reading something. First of all, caveats. Uh, I'm a Jets fan. I want Rodgers to succeed, and I'm not an analytics nerd. But I was reading something recently that said somebody crunched the numbers and said the seven wins that they had last year um, – the opposing teams played like 30 to 50% less on key metrics than uh, they did in other losses, which suggests that the, you know, they basically played in second and third gear against the jets. The other thing was that when you strap on a top 15 quarterback, the average wins is two to three plus. So your offense runs better. You don't get in as many first and long second and longs as all that. But you don't just strap on seven wins. So if I put it together, if I take away two of their seven wins last year and I put two to three, maybe even four wins with Rodgers, I'm kind of around where Vegas is at with nine and a half and ten. I don't love it, but I just would love uh, you guys uh, have a reaction to that. Well, Jack, I would say this. If I'm a Jet fan, uh, I'll take the ten wins. (laughs) I'll take them because I had seven last year. And you could tell me about, you know, they didn't perform this way or that way. Look, here's the bottom line. And I've said this, and it's true about sports, no matter what the team is, no what the sport. Gordon, it's not who you play, it's when you play them. 
you could face you could face the Buffalo Bills in Week One, and they're playing at full potential, and they're just not ready. They're just not they're just not there yet, and you get a win. So I I, I understand the metrics; they mean something, but especially with football, Gordon, it, it's you can have physical the team. There's a, a lot of different things that you can do, and it's hard for me to believe because when you don't play hard in football, you get hurt. So second and third, I, I don't know all that. All I would say is this. Yeah, of course, the regular season is important for them. They have to get to the postseason. But ultimately, for the Jets, it's about the postseason. It really is. So if they win enough games and they won seven last year, and you could argue that most of those games that they won, they, they had a type C quarterback at best, and at they best. still were able to win some of those games. And if you elevate the quarterback – the way he is, if he plays the way he's played previously, which helps keep your defense off the field so they can be a little better. I mean, Gordon, they should win 10 games. And if they win 10 games or 10, 9, 10, or 11 games and they get to the postseason, they'll be in shape. They'll be in good shape to try to win a Super Bowl. If Aaron Rodgers, if the acquisition of Aaron Rodgers isn't worth three wins to the Jets this year from last year, well, then back up the truck because everybody's yep. going. Everybody's going, everybody's including Rodgers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. We're all saying, well, we hope we get a second year. If they don't get three wins, you might not want a second year. No, you, and you won't get it because he won't want to come back. No. he has no, Right now, he probably thinks, you know, they, they talk about the big, bad New York media. Everybody's so nice. Everybody's mm-hmm. so great. We're going yeah. to Taylor Swift concerts. We're going to Nick Gaines. Everybody loves me. Yeah. Everybody no loved yet. Phil Jackson when he got here, too. They gave him a standing ovation at the Nick game. That's right. No games played yet. No, no games played You'll yet. You'll see when it, it changes. Yeah, it can, it can go sideways in a hurry. Amen to that. <laughs> very quick. Very, very quick. What's up, Richard in Manhattan? Richard. Richard. Oh, oh, he's busy. All right, he'll call back. He'll be there. Yeah, he'll be there eventually. So, uh, but once again, Gordon, you know, speaking of the Jets, beautiful pinpoint passing by Aaron Rodgers. I saw the, I saw the line. I saw mm-hmm. the, the high, oh, beautiful passes. Oh, just tremendous. Oh, um, he, he is. It, he's kind of good. If you could just grade quarterbacks. On the throws that they make, how how effortless they make things look. Aaron Rodgers would have to be at the top of the list of guys all time. Mm-hmm. It never it never looks like you know. There's been guy Elway when he was in his prime or Marino. They would the ball would come out right away and it would be a flick of the wrist. But you could tell that they were putting a lot on it. With Rodgers, it just seems like it's bing, bing you know, just yeah. a little bit here, a little bit there, float here, float there. So he, he is, uh, when he's on his game, it, 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 there's very few quarterbacks that look as good as him when he's right. Now, I said this yesterday, Gordon, and I want to get your thoughts on it. There was an, Rich Amini had a great article yesterday talking about uh, different things going on with Jets and OTAs and some observations. And one of the things were that he had in there that Salah is really – expecting that Aaron Rodgers is going to be that guy, that leader in the locker room for them, mm-hmm. right? That, that it's almost like the team is – and he did a, a quote from Tom Izzo about the team – your best teams are teams that are self-coached, 
right? And that's what mm-hmm. Izzo says. And while this is what I said. I understand that all coaches want to have a guy that carries on what they think in the locker room. That's why every coach brings their one of their players with them when they move to a different team because that's their eyes and ears of what goes on in the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. And, and clearly, that's what Aaron Rodgers is, a leader who's got a, got a ring. That's part of the charm that you bring him here. There's nobody here that knows how to win on the field. Nobody. Right. So you bring him in, he does know that. But Gordon... There's a thin line between bringing somebody here to be keep the, the guys kind of on the right side in the locker room and somebody that's going to coach the team. Because Aaron Rodgers, is not his job is not to make sure that the team is prepared to play. Aaron Rodgers' job is not to make sure that they make the proper adjustments uh, when, when teams do something against you that, that you can't stop. His job is not to make sure that you know they're ready to play and they don't have these dumb turnovers that they usually have. That's not Aaron Rodgers' job. And if, if Robert Sala thinks that that's what Aaron Rodgers is going to do, then Gordon, he's going to be out of here faster than Joe Douglas. <laughs> uh, well, doesn't Rodgers have enough on his plate? He's basically running the offense. Like and, what is and, what, what is solid doing here? Like your job personnel. is to run the rest of the team. The offense is already taken off your plate. Yep. You don't have to do anything really in terms of the offense. He's running it. He's he's got his coach, he's got his players. You picked him out of everybody you could have. So if 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 a team, if an NFL team is is three sections, offense, defense and special teams, you got the other two thirds. He's yep. got the one third. So you worry about what you got to worry about. But yeah, I, I agree with you. If if he's thinking that now Aaron Rodgers is not he, – he's, he's a great all-time player, but this is not like Tom Brady who's now going to come and, and get in guys' faces and start yelling and screaming at guys. It doesn't feel that way. So, But uh, for Robert Sala, I think that uh, Aaron Rodgers has got enough on his plate, and if he handles his part of it, then Sala's got to handle his two-thirds. No question about it. No question about it. 1-800-919-3776. When we return, Gordon? Dave Rothenberg said something about the Mets that I I was shocked. I was shocked. I'll share that with you next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.